0: to Proverbs chapter two, we will be reading the whole chapter, but this week we will be looking at the second half after looking at the first half last week. The text can be found also on page five and six of the bulletin. Proverbs chapter two, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of a brightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. You may be seated. And as you do, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this text. Thank you for your word, that as we confessed earlier, is profitable to teach us, reprove us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness, that we may be complete and equipped. Would you do that work in us as we listen to these words of the Father to his Son, the words of you, our Heavenly Father, to us, your children. May I be faithful as your preacher, may your people be faithful as hearers, and may we become doers of your word, we ask in Christ's name, amen. I don't like getting phone calls from numbers that I don't recognize. This could be a character flaw, could be the downside of not having a landline, if you know, remember what those were like, or it could be the byproduct of growing up in the very early days of caller ID. I can remember when my siblings and I used to rush to the phone to be the first to announce who it was that was calling, as if it was some special prize. But I want to know who is calling me. Now, our cell phones and our service providers have come a long way in their efforts to deliver us from taking those unwanted and those unpleasant and even risky phone calls. I find comfort when my phone uh, blares up spam risk under the number or it says telemarketer under the caller's ID. I find great joy and satisfaction if you have an iPhone of doing that double power button click and sending that unwanted call out of sight and out of memory, never to be taken up again. And in our day, when countless individuals, particularly older folks, are being scammed daily, such a tool is critical and possibly even life-saving. Of course, it's far from perfect. There will be calls that sneak their way through however these filters work. There will be times when I answer a call of someone I don't want to talk to and I have to say I'm not interested and hang up. But still, this line of defense has already proven valuable to me from delivering me from those unwanted calls and their potentially devastating consequences. This morning, we've come to our second week in what Tim called our long series in Proverbs chapter 2. Last week, we looked at the first 11 verses to see the value in pursuing wisdom, in growing in wisdom. We saw that wisdom protects the people of God as they faithfully seek it in him. And today we shift to the second 11 verses of this father's plea to his young impressionable son and we get into the specifics of what that protection looks like, what it entails. And that protection is deliverance, it is saving, it is rescuing. You see that in both verses 12 and 16, the same word, the same sentence construction starts each verse, to deliver you. No, it's not to deliver from pesky scam, spam callers or scam artists or unwanted salesmen, as annoying as those individuals are. It's from things far more sinister, far worse, things that seek to destroy not only the body but heart and soul. It is the ways of evil whose end is ultimately death. And so where can the son look to for help? Where can he find deliverance from such Awful consequences from awful ways. It is in the wisdom that God so graciously provides to His people as they seek Him. We see that wisdom rescues the people of God from the promoters and the paths of evil. If you hear last week, we broke down those eleven verses into three units, and this week we can do the same in a very helpful, hopefully, and easy way. The points are there for you in the bulletin. Each focus on a specific deliverance that wisdom brings to those who pursue it, receive it, and grow in it. We'll see first that wisdom saves from wicked men, wisdom saves from the wild woman, and wisdom saves for the way of life. And first up is wisdom saves from the wicked man. Wisdom will rescue the son from those who work, walk in, and joyfully celebrate evil. That word evil, you'll see, is repeated three times in verses, just verses 12 and 14. It's a big deal. Now, our culture doesn't really like calling things evil. Doesn't really like even calling things wrong. But the Father, he has no issue with calling evil for what it is. He says evil is real. People commit it. Both are dangerous. The Son needs to be delivered from both. And the Father's standard is not some arbitrary feelings of what's good and what's wrong, what's evil and what's not. His definition is not loose. He means genuine sin and wickedness. Because that term in Israel always is defined from the point of of view of the Lord and his word. Because it is God who declares what is evil. He is the one who has said what is good and what is right and what is true. All that is evil is all that stands contrary to the knowledge of him and the fear of his name as we looked at last week. But what does the father note about the evil of these men? What does he want the son to take away about them? And he emphasizes three things and he's actually gonna emphasize the same three things when he gets to the wild woman in verses 16 through 19. And these three things are their speech, their infidelity, and their paths. Because these are what wisdom promises to deliver the Son from and us as well. And we find the speech of this man in verse 12, where he says, You will be delivered from men of perverted speech. Why does the Father emphasize speech? Because it's what he emphasized all the way back in verse 1 when he said, My words, my commandments. We see the speech of these evil men is actually a rival to the speech of the wise father. The father is very real with the son. You don't live in a vacuum. You're not living in a bunker underground where you won't hear the perverted and evil speech of those around you. No, you live in the real world where the speech of evil men is going to butt up right against my speech, my words, my wisdom. You're going to hear what is good and true right alongside of what is wicked and perverse. And you need to be delivered to stay on the path of righteousness. And if you were to scan the rest of Proverbs, you would see that in Proverbs, there is a one-to-one relationship between speech and wisdom. Wisdom is either seen or not seen through speech. Speech either reveals your wisdom or your folly. The speech of these wicked men is perverted. It is upside down. It is faithless. We can catch a glimpse of it if you have your Bibles by turning over one page to Proverbs chapter 1 verses 11 through 13. Where the Father tells the Son, this is what the sinners, this is what the evil men say. Come with us. Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. This perverse speech, we see it equals violence, injustice, greed, hate, stealing, all things that are evil, according to God and His Word. Personal gain, whether it's wealth or accolades, is all that matters. And such perverse speech flows out of a heart that loves self with heart, soul, mind, and strength. A heart that loves no neighbor as I love myself. But moving from the speech, the father gets into their infidelity in verse 13. He says, their speech is perverted and they forsake the paths of righteousness to walk in ways of darkness. I have been on many hikes, both, well maybe not as much here in Arkansas, but around in Pennsylvania, I've even been out to Utah a few times, and there have been some that are more strenuous than others. And all of them have difficult stretches to a degree, but only on rare occasions has a path become so unclear or so hard to follow that you get lost. And so I I admit, that I'm always puzzled when I read the news about hikers who've gotten wildly lost or off base. And it's usually because they're either not paying attention to the path or they're simply not interested in staying on the path. They wanted their own adventure, oftentimes at a very high risk and a high cost. The wicked men here are such hikers, blatantly, knowingly straying from the path of righteousness. The Father describes them as covenant deserters, which means they used to belong to the company of God's people. They, like Cain or Esau, had a spiritual heritage. They likely had fathers who taught them the good path, taught them the wisdom of God. They grew up in the Lord's school of wisdom, only to reject it for the crooked paths of the world and the hollow pleasures that it promises And in their unfaithfulness, they they ultimately rejected God, rejected his ways, and rejected his word to their own destruction. This is why Thomas Watson, in his book, The Godly Man's Picture, which Pastor Tim is going to be leading the men through in Tuesday Bible Studies, he says this, rather bluntly, infidelity is the nurse to apostasy. And history has witnessed this shift this nursing in individuals, churches, denominations over the years. Unfaithfulness, typically in what we would think a very disconnected area, ultimately leads to an all-out rejection of the faith, abandoning of the way of righteousness for the paths of darkness. And so we might ask ourselves, what will keep us from a similar fate? What will the Son do to avoid such infidelity, and it's to seek wisdom, to find deliverance and saving in wisdom. Because in wisdom, God declares to us all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. And then let that wisdom, as we looked at last week, plant itself deeply and root itself deeply in your heart and bear fruit. And this then leads to a little bit more specifics about the paths of these men in verses 14 and 15. Which the father calls crooked and devious. These are not paths of justice or every good path that we saw in verse 9. Those paths were easy to follow, easy to walk in. No, these paths are twisted. They're made such by lies and deception. And sadly, there's actually joy and delight as people are walking on them. Though it is not joy and delight in the goodness of God, in the truths of God, it is joy and delight in darkness, in perversity, in evil. It's like fans at an SEC football game. I'm not gonna specify which fans because that could get me into a lot of trouble here. But there's jubilance, there's ecstatic shouts of joy There's song, there's delight, there's high fiving, slapping of hands, chest bumps for the really rowdy. But it's not over a good play, it's not over a great touchdown or a score or the end of a game, it's over evil. They want more of it, and they want others to join in with them. They say it's more fun on this path. There's so much to gain here, it feels good. Those are just some of the euphoric sounds and exclamations that are coming from this path. And they're all lies. It's the epitome of what Paul would tell the Romans at the end of chapter 1, where he gives that long list of how creation has been flipped on its head. And he gives a list of all the unrighteousness and evil, and he says, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It's that joyful celebration in evil and perversity. And while it is certainly a depressing and sobering reality to know that such wicked men and their paths exist today, it can also be comforting when we come to this passage. Yes, taking and twisting what God has declared to be good continues to be the mode of operation around us. The ways of darkness continue to be celebrated. All you need to do is watch the news. Loving self is being told the best thing you can do for yourself, for your kids, and for those around you. And while we certainly need to be cautious, we need to be delivered from this, we need not fear. Because wisdom promises to deliver us as it promised to deliver the Son. So we can hear our Heavenly Father telling you, telling us, that His wisdom will deliver you from these men and their ways. His wisdom will expose the truth behind what they say in their perverse speech. It will show you the actual horror of their sin and their perversity. And it will help you discern the path that is righteous and true. And give you the strength to stay on it. And it will keep you rejoicing. Not like them in the evil and perversity, but in the goodness of God and his truth in the goodness of his righteousness and his peace. So let us return then to what we heard last week from James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God and let him ask in faith. Ask God to grant you his rescuing, his delivering wisdom. Because the truth is we need it as we navigate the works and the ways of evil in and around us. We need it to keep us faithful to him, to his word, and to his ways all of our days. Next, the father, though, moves from the wicked men to the wild woman. And the father is very candid about this woman as he describes her in verses 16 through 19. I'm calling her wild because of the same things that we just saw. She's wild in speech. She's wild in her infidelity. She's wild in her path. And just to be clear... There is nothing good or fun about her wildness. She is all bad. She is a heat-seeking missile seeking to destroy the sun. And so the father is not shy when he talks about her. Those terms you see forbidden and adulterous can actually and are most literally strange and foreign. And she takes up a good bit of the father's time and efforts in chapters 1 through 9. She gets 65 verses just about her in those chapters. That's a lot of verses. The father is dead serious about this woman. She is not to be played with. She's not to be entertained. Playing like her is like playing with a match in a container of gas in a forest in the middle of a month-long drought. Nothing good is going to happen. Everything will be destroyed. And we see this first in her speech, what the father calls her smooth words. Such words, the father is honest, they sound good. They tickle the ears. They aim to flatter, to entice, to play on whatever folly remains in the sun and to latch hold of it. And again, we might ask, like we did with the wicked man, what what is she saying? And again, I'd encourage you to flip over a few pages forward into Proverbs chapter 7. I won't read all of verses 14 through 20, but I'll give you some of the highlights. This is what the wild woman says to the son. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves in love, for my husband is not home. Her smooth speech conveys desire, pleasure, satisfaction, lust, secrecy. As one commentator writes, The immoral woman's mouth is attractive for both its sensual its sensuality and for uttering things that men like to hear. The wild woman, to be frank, promises easy sex. No strings attached, no regrets, no one will know. Everything is fun, everything is pleasure. And the same smooth, flattering words can be heard today. Why else would pornography be a billion-dollar industry based on those same smooth words? The hookup culture that we see thriving on college campuses and even in many of our high schools is the fruit of her flattery as well. And just like the son can't avoid the perverted speech of evil men, he can't avoid the smooth talk of the wild woman. And we can't either as we live in a highly sexualized and pleasure-crazed world. Her speech also rivals the father's. Her speech also reveals the depraved heart and mind that she has. And like the son, we need to be delivered. And it's because, again, her speech also exposes her infidelity. Look at verse 17. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. That word forsakes is the exact same word we found in verse 13. Which tells us, yet again, this woman... While strange is no stranger to the covenant community. She was once a member of it. And you see, those those words strange and foreign, they're not emphasizing nationality or ethnicity. This wild woman is not Jezebel. She's not one of Solomon's wives, a pagan idolater who marries into the covenant community and then wreaks all kinds of havoc. No, she's worse because this woman knows better. Those two words stress acting outside the bounds of the law and social convention, which is why the ESV literally translated she's an adulteress. She is unfaithful to her husband, the companion of her youth, which highlights both intimacy and friendship and even suggests her husband as her teacher, the one who was leading her in the ways of wisdom. So she has been unfaithful to her husband, as her husband, as her friend, and even as the teacher of wisdom. And then worse still, she's unfaithful to the covenant of her God. She has rejected the Lord like the wicked men, his ways and his word. She knows the commandments, particularly the seventh. She knows the role that God plays in the marriage covenant as both witness, guarantor, and author. She knows that for Israel, their physical adultery was merely a symptom of their spiritual adultery. And she could care less. She willingly and knowingly forgets all of this, pushes it aside for the paths of darkness. She trades faithful allegiances for fleshly appetites. And she desperately wants the son to join in. It's her mission to get him on board with her. And so for this reason, the father gets even more pointed when he speaks about her paths in verses 18 and 19. He says, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. This is no scare tactic or attempted intimidation. It is a father being brutally honest with his son because he loves his son. He says, son, this wild woman, her path will lead to death and destruction, nowhere else. To borrow the hiker analogy that we used earlier, her trail is marked with do not enter, danger, impossible terrain. Her trail is a steep downward slope that once you get rolling on it, you can't stop yourself. She will be the son's undoing. She will ultimately lead him where he has no interest in going. And on this point, I think Matthew Henry's words are very helpful and clear. They're slightly lengthy, but hear them. Matthew Henry writes, It is a sin that has a direct tendency to the killing of the soul, the extinguishing of all good affections and dispositions in it, and exposing of it to the wrath and curse of God and the sword of his justice. Those that live in forbidden pleasures are dead while they live. So much is the heart hardened and the mind blinded by the deceitfulness of this sin. Chasing after the wild woman. And again, it goes without saying that men, women, young, old, we all need deliverance from the wild woman and her enticements. Pornography, Promiscuity, any and all sex outside of marriage, the approval of any and all sex outside of marriage are massive problems, both out there in our culture and sadly even in the church. We as individuals and as communities, we need deliverance from this woman. First, we need the clear and faithful teaching of Scripture on all issues relating to sex, marriage, And sexuality we must emphasize how good it is when it aligns with God's wise and perfect design anything outside of that is dangerous destructive and evil and then we also need to emphasize that we need to live in obedience to it not simply nod our head at it but actually walk in it but then we also need wisdom we need it as we navigate a culture that celebrates and normalizes the adulterous woman in her paths. We need it to see the true danger of her ways, the death and destruction that wait at the end. We need wisdom to, this might be a little sensitive, but not to willingly desensitize our, to sensitize ourselves through the many sensual heavy TV shows and movies that we so haphazardly consume. We need to see the emptiness of her offerings, the plates of garbage at her table. Where it's all rotting and polluting and destroying everything that it touches, it is poison. And it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married, it doesn't even matter if you're old or you're young, leaders were not exempt either. We all need wisdom. The wisdom that fears and knows the Lord, that trusts in what he says is good, joy-filled, and true to deliver us. Only his wisdom will keep you and me from falling for those smooth words. From walking in this particular unfaithfulness. In treading down the path that leads to death and destruction. And so once again, we come back to James. Ask God for his wisdom to protect you, to deliver you, to rescue you from the wild woman in all her ways. Finally, then we get to the Father's concluding words in verses 20 and 22, where wisdom saves for the way of life. And notice here, the Father gets very matter-of-fact with his words, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. He says, this is what will happen If the son does what's been laid out in the first 19 verses, pursues wisdom, receives wisdom, produces wisdom, finds deliverance in wisdom, then he will find himself walking on the path that is good and righteous and true. We've already heard about that path back in verse 9. These two verses mirror one another. The way of good, that path, is where love for God and neighbor are displayed. It is marked by moral and ethical excellence, as as are those who walk on it. It's the very opposite of those two paths of evil and sensuality. Those paths move against the knowledge and the fear of the Lord because they've rejected it in the pursuit of pleasure and vanity. Again, using the hiking analogy one more time, the path in verse 20 is that trail that is clearly marked out. The trees are painted in whatever color it is to keep you on the trail. There are rocks stacked along the way to make sure you know you're still on the trail. There's no signs teasing a shortcut to go this way. There's no signs teasing a more pleasurable experience if you diverge to the right or to the left. Because this path knows where the joys are and wants you to experience them, the beautiful views. But it also knows the danger. That if you stray to the left, you're going to fall off a cliff. That if you stray to the right, you're going to end up in the water. And so it wants you to avoid them. Wisdom delivers by marking out for us the path of life that the Son and us are called to follow. And no, the path won't be easy. For anyone who has hiked, even the enjoyable paths had hard stretches to them. And it's not even going to promise you great success as the earth, as the world, determines success. For the path will at times butt up against the wicked man's path. It will pass by or close by the wild woman. It will move within hearing of both of them in their deceptive words. But that path will not lead you onto those paths. It will not suddenly join with them for a time and then see if, hey, let's see if he'll come back over onto this path. It will keep you walking in the way that is good and that is excellent. And this way has a promise attached. We see it in verses 21 and 22. It is a dual promise for both the righteous and the wicked. The former will endure while the latter will be removed. And now we may be tempted. To be tempted to immediately jump to the end when Christ returns heaven with these words and that is not wrong eternal life is the ultimate promise given to the upright and the blameless and likewise we know from the word of God that evil and wickedness will be punished cut off from God and his blessings for all eternity they will reach the destination of their chosen path both of those are true The Father is stressing that eternal life is at stake. But these verses also speak to the here and to the now. Because the book of Proverbs is very much interested with life at present. And the blessings that can be found by living in wisdom today. And those words in 21 and 22 are familiar words and probably even a a very well-known saying in Israel at this time. Parts of them we can find sprinkled throughout the Old Testament and in Psalm 37 is one particular place where aspects of them, some exact quotes, are listed seven times. Either promising the saints dwelling in the land or the wicked being removed from it. And in the context of Proverbs, the land is not specific to Canaan, it is more general than that. The land includes the fatness of the land what it brings forth the fruit of the land the increase of the land which when you put it all together is a picture of life enjoyment and blessing as God has ordained and so this is what the father says wisdom will deliver you to enjoying God's good gift of life on this side of eternity and the key to it is wisdom it's the avenue for us to find true enjoyment true pleasure True goodness in life. Wickedness and treachery are a threat to life. They defile the land and the blessings that it contains. They say that life can be found through hedonism, through vain pursuits, that life and enjoyment can be found outside of what God has said to be righteous and true and wise. And no, the promise doesn't mean that the wicked won't find success. And neither does it mean wisdom will promise us never to meet failure or struggle or difficulty. But it does mean that we will find true and lasting joy and enjoyment in life as we walk in wisdom. Life is found in the wisdom outlined in this entire chapter in these words of a wise father to his son. And for proof, we need only look to another son. Who heard the words of wisdom from his father. Who walked in them perfectly. Always. Never strayed to the ways of the wicked men. Never strayed after the words and the ways of the wild woman. Jesus Christ is the son who followed the wise teachings of his father. He grew in it, we learn from Luke chapter 2. He was delivered by it from the paths of the wicked man and the wild woman. Yes, his good path did lead to his death. But it is through his death and his resurrection that he now offers life to all who follow after him. To all who who find and pursue God's rescue and deliverance from sin and evil in him and in him alone. And then what is more, he has given us his spirit, the spirit of wisdom. By whom Paul tells the church in Galatia in 5.16, it is because of the spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're not called to walk blindly. We have been given his spirit, the spirit of wisdom. We have been given his word, our guide to wisdom. It will deliver us from the paths of wickedness and evil onto the paths of life. So then as we come to the end of our study here in Proverbs chapter 2 I think it's appropriate as we come to application to to simply go to Moses' words actually in Deuteronomy chapter 30 in verses 19 through 20 where he is speaking to a very young and impressionable generation of God's people ready to go into the promised land. And after having laid out the words of the covenant he tells them this therefore choose life That you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. It is really that simple. To choose wisdom is to choose life. To choose sin and folly is ultimately to choose death. And so to everyone here, again, old, young, wise, foolish, ministry leader, layperson, I would plead with you to choose wisdom. Because through wisdom, God promises to deliver you from sin and evil. Walk on the paths of wisdom all the days of your life. Hold fast to what he has said is good and true in his word. And the wisdom we find in it. Trust in his wisdom to keep you from sin and folly. Not in your own strength. Not in your own strategies. Or your own plans. But in his wisdom. Because sin and folly will do far worse than make your life difficult or make you slip up every now and again. It will destroy you. There is no hope on those paths of the wicked men and the, adul- the adulterous woman. They're contrary to what is good. They're contrary to the way the Spirit is seeking to guide the people of God in this life. There is no blessing. There's no enjoyment to be found, no matter how much it may be promised, no matter how much when we look out there, it may seem like there's joy that is had. It's all a facade. Choose wisdom, pursue wisdom, receive wisdom. Hide under its protection in the deliverance that it provides. It's far better than any spam blocking or telemarketing warning service, as helpful as those are. Because wisdom delivers the people of God from the promoters and the paths of evil. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your spirit, the spirit of all wisdom, who you have given to each and every one who has professed faith in Christ. Lord, forgive us for where we have strayed from his guiding, where we have wandered from the path that is good and righteous and true where we have heard the words of the wicked men, where we have heard the words of the idolatrous woman, and we've been tempted and we've even followed. But God, we thank you that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and compassion. You know our weaknesses, and you call us to return to you. Give us your wisdom. Deliver us as individuals, as families, as a church, by your wisdom. Help us to grow in it. Help us to embody it. Help, it. help us to walk the path that you have set for us through Jesus Christ by holding fast to the wisdom that we find in your word. Keep us faithful till you call us home or till Christ returns, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.